0: Hello everybody, Uh, once again welcome to our fourth part in our studies of the book of Revelation. May I remind you that if you would like to catch up with part one, two and three, then do go to my website or my Facebook page and you can find those there and uh, you can catch up with everything we've been saying about the book of Revelation. Now today before we get into the real meat of the book, I have some thoughts that i think are important and i do wish to share with you the high point of the book of revelation is actually the second coming of christ there's no doubt about that as we have already noted the whole book is written for the whole church and it lays out before it the great triumph that it will enjoy when jesus comes again in great power and great glory this visible real return of jesus to the Mount of Olives, is the blessed hope set before the church. And uh, this is indeed what the book of Revelation is all about. It's about the unveiling of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus. So, there is thus no word or hint in the entire oracle of a so-called secret rapture that supposedly takes place before all the cataclysmic events spoken of in the book transpire. Jesus is in fact forearming his church by giving it this book and thereby assuring it that beyond the great trials ahead is the glorious triumph of his second coming. What a wonderful hope that is. As I stated, this is why his second coming in Scripture, he said to be the blessed hope of the church. According to the book then, and this is extremely important, the day of the Lord, which is spoken about everywhere in the Scripture as a day of wrath, takes place on the day of Jesus' physical and real second coming in power and glory. This is also the day when the church is raptured or snatched away to meet him as he comes in flaming fire to wage war against the ungodly of the earth. It's important to know that. Two things happen on the day of the Lord. Number one, the church is snatched away. Number two, the wrath of God is poured out upon the ungodly by the second coming of Christ. Paul writes to the Thessalonian church that was under persecution and trial, and says exactly this in terminology and and uh, and sentences that are very very clear. Hear what he has to say in chapter one of Second Thessalonians. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and give you who are troubled rest with us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who have believed because our testimony among you was believed. It is the day when Jesus comes in flaming fire that the church will first see him and get rest from its trials on earth, and be glorified. This is exactly what Paul says. Now John's revelation agrees with this in chapter 6, and of course in chapter 19. It is thus extremely important to note that the day of God's wrath is not the great tribulation, but the day of Jesus' visible and real second coming. I'll say it again. The day of God's wrath is not the great tribulation, but the day of Jesus' visible and real second coming. This takes place after the changing of the luminaries, which actually takes place after the conclusion of the great tribulation according to Scripture. And we see this in Matthew chapter 24 and uh, verse 29 And confirmed clearly in Matthew, in Acts, by the way, chapter 2 and verse 20. Now in Matthew 24 and verse 29, listen carefully to what Jesus says. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So, after the tribulation, the sun and the moon change. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, in verse 20, he says this, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Nothing could be clearer. The sun and the moon change after the tribulation, But they change before the day of God's wrath. The day of God's wrath, my friends, is the second coming of Jesus. It is certainly inconceivable that Jesus should send a message of hope and encouragement to his church in the world, which totally ignores and says nothing about his coming for it by way of a so-called secret rapture. It's inconceivable. The same is true of Jesus' Olivet Discourse, recorded in Matthew 24 and Mark 13. In these great eschatological passages, there is not one word about a secret rapture from the Saviour. Not one word. In talking to His disciples, the Savior's focus is entirely upon His glorious, real and visible second coming. Friends, please, there is only one second coming And the bride must make herself ready. The great trials ahead will certainly be a catalyst for that. And again, we've read this before, but in Revelation 7, it says, One of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? Where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb amazing scripture and we should remember it nothing has brought into focus more the approaching days of great trial like that of all the events unfolding around the coronavirus you need to hear this we hear calls for global government and for a global religion coupled with demands for increased surveillance of citizenry and the bodily implant of microchip technology, all in the name of increased protection, safety, and well-being. A well-respected Italian politician recently said the following on the floor of his nation's parliament, quote, The real goal Of all of this is total control, absolute domination of human beings, transformed into guinea pigs and slaves, violating sovereignty and free will, all thanks to tricks disguised as political compromise. We are living in very urgent days. Now I want to turn to the seven seals. And this is in chapter 6 through to chapter 8 and verse 1 of the book. And I want to go through the seven seals briefly. And we find them recorded, of course, in Revelation chapter 6. And if you have your Bible, you may want to look at that. But we have the beginning of these seals recorded uh, in this chapter and beyond. Now, as we've noted, these give us a sweeping view of all the end-time events, much like Matthew 24 and Mark 13, and they are also very similar to these great chapters in content. We have also noted in our previous study together that the seven seals constitute the title deed to earth and all that is in it, since it was purchased with Jesus' blood. He paid, as Mark's gospel says, the ransom price for it on the cross. And this then paves the way for him to open the seals and finally take possession of that which is his, including the church by her resurrection from the dead. So these seven seals appear in the throne and they are the sweeping view of end time events. In one sense, as we noted, the rest of the book of Revelation is commentary. And uh, that's important to understand. And uh, with his feet on the Mount of Olives, the Bible says, the final seal will be opened. And then the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of the Lord and of his Christ. We noted that that came from Jeremiah. In biblical days, attractive land became yours only when you broke the final seal on the deed of sale. But you had to put your feet on the property. And that's what Jeremiah did. You can read it, you can get it in these studies, and you can hear it in our previous study. So these are the seals about which John speaks. The first seal alerts us to the fact that a great all-conquering deception awaits the world, in that an antichrist, global ruler, cloaked in the white robes of innocence, will arise, rule all nations and bring them into devilish bondage and destruction. His anger will particularly be aimed at the church of Jesus Christ and the nation of Israel. We will say more about this later. But we should note that the spirit of Antichrist is strongly present in the world today. That's the first rider. The second seal is... uh, The arrival of a red horse, a fiery red horse, a symbol of blood. And this rider goes out to foster war across the earth. He wields a great sword. And this confirms Jesus' warning in Matthew 24 that the end time will be characterized by wars and rumors of wars, especially at a time when leaders proclaim peace, peace. So we have this warning that war and conflict will be around right up until the day of Jesus coming. The third seal, this seal is interesting because it predicts a global economic meltdown leading to starvation and hyperinflation, all represented by a black horse and its rider. We should all take note of this and endeavor to be free from debt, financially secure, and as independent as possible. We need to hear this warning today. We absolutely need to hear it. The book of Revelation is not there for our interest. It's to forearm us. It's to warn us. It's to prepare us. And we need to hear this message that we need to be free from debt. And we need... Uh, to be financially secure as much as possible and independent. This financial meltdown is definitely coming and actually may have already started. Across the world, nations are now plunging into economic depression because of this virus. The fourth seal, here a pale or grey horse is seen representing death and the place of the shadowy dead. Hades, death in Hades. This rider will bring global chaos to millions across the globe. And we are told that two billion people will die from all manner of evils, including war, hunger, plagues, and wild animals. These are the ungodly who have never yielded their lives to Jesus. We need to understand this. This is not a game. This might sound fantastic, but you know, friends, many of the predictions of the book of Revelation sounded fantastic until today. Suddenly, its truth is coming before our eyes with a startling reality. The fifth seal. The final days leading up to the second coming of Jesus or his revelation will be characterized by a vicious persecution of the church. And so the souls of the martyred saints are seen here in heaven beseeching their Lord to avenge their blood so spilt on the earth. They are told to be patient until all those appointed to martyrdom are gathered in. Now this terminology is interesting because it conveys the thought that the will and the purpose of God actually is also involved in this persecution. Since It no doubt contributes to the purification of His people. We've dealt with that in our previous studies. So this is a picture of the Great Tribulation because after this, the luminaries change, constituting a warning that the great day of God's wrath is about to befall the earth. We have here a biblical truth. Listen to me, friends. We have here a biblical truth not many in the wider church are prepared to entertain. And That brings us to the sixth seal. Here the sign of the coming of Christ appears. In that, as we've already noted in this study, the moon turns blood red and the sun turns black like sackcloth. In addition, the stars of heaven fall and the sky rolls back like a scroll revealing the oncoming arrival of the Son of God, the Son of Man. What a wonderful picture. The small and the great, we are told, and the armies of the world and the masses all together recognize in this sign that the day of wrath is upon them, and they call out to the mountains to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. This is a picture of the great day of the Lord about which Scripture speaks everywhere. This also harmonizes with that which Jesus said in Matthew 24 and we can read it in verses 29 to 31. So we go back to Jesus' Olivet Discourse and what he said in this passage of Revelation and the sixth seal harmonizes completely with what Jesus says. from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. A wonderful picture, the day of God's wrath, but the rapture, the snatching away of his church with the sound of a great trumpet. In Revelation 6, that picture is painted in another way, and we should quickly read it. And uh, so we go to this sixth seal, in Revelation 6, and listen to this. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. Exactly what Jesus said. And the stars of the heaven fell to the earth, as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Same thing that Jesus said. Then the sky receded as a scroll, When it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from what? The wrath of the Lamb. Why? Because the great day of His wrath has come. And who is able to stand? The great day of His wrath, dear friends, is the day of Jesus' coming. You cannot get it clearer. It's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 24. No surprise, because Scripture does not contradict Scripture. So it's to be noted that it is on this day that Jesus gathers his elect, that is his church, from the four corners of the earth. This is the final saga of the present order of things. His revelation, his second coming, has been accomplished. Wonderful. And that's with the breaking of the sixth seal. And then the seventh seal. Heaven falls silent because everything is accomplished. The Bible says heaven becomes quiet. It's all done. Christ has finally overcome the world and his people will rule and reign with him forever, world without end. However, between the breaking of the sixth and the seventh seal is an interlude. In Revelation chapter 7 down to chapter 8 verse 1, wherein the triumph of Christ of all ages is pictured, meaning that a multitude that no man can count and built on a Jewish spiritual foundation is seen in the presence of God, giving him glory and honor for the great redemptive work that he has wrought in Christ on their behalf. These we are told, shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So be it. Maranatha. This is Malcolm Heading.